uh, with our own inner monologue, with the people on the TV screen, with the blog posts that we're reading, the Facebook updates, all of the conversations that we've gotten involved in, and yet we've in many ways, forgotten about the one conversation that matters, the one that actually has the ability to accomplish something both here and into eternity. And that's the conversation, the two-way conversation with God in prayer. And so we want to reemphasize that as we go into this new ministry year, as we come up on the fall, kids going back to school, work is starting. Some of you are making that commute again and things are getting a little bit uh, what we might call normal. Uh, And so we want to revisit this idea of prayer And uh, before we get too far, we threw out five challenges last week, and I want to do a quick little status update, kind of checking on how we're doing. There were five challenges, and just to refresh your memory, one was go on a prayer walk. Another one was start praying for someone who needs Jesus. We said pray out loud with someone. We said go park at a church and pray for it. Any church will do. And we challenge you to do a little bit of a mini fast where you skip a meal and let those hunger pains kind of mess with you when it comes to the spiritual side. So, so by a show of hands, did anybody complete at least one of the five in this past week? Okay. All right. All right. Pretty good. Did anybody complete two of the five this week? Oh, okay. All right. Now we're, now we're going to go for it. Did anybody complete three of the five in the last week? Okay, we're getting down to the super spiritual people. Did anybody complete four of the five this week? Connie, you overachiever, Harold. Those two just sit at home and pray all day anyway, so it doesn't really matter for them. All right, not bad, not bad. I felt like Price is right for a second there. Do I have three challenges completed? No, that was cool. Thanks for engaging in that. Really want to encourage you. For some of you, some of the five might be old hat, like no big deal for you, something you do all the time. Some of them might be a little stretching, a little bit awkward, uh, but really want to challenge you to do that. Not to check a box, right? Like, oh, I'm, I got a bigger mansion in heaven because I did the five homework assignments. No, just to really start bringing our minds and our hearts back to this idea of prayer and how it's, it's different than maybe just praying for lunch, right? Or, or, or blessing the meal at dinner time or something like that. It's, it's a really big deal. And so we want to engage in it over the next few weeks. And last week, we started off with, with really what is a simple truth, but a truth that lays the foundation for whether or not we're going to engage in this thing called prayer, whether we're going to put our weight on it, whether we're going to lean in to this two-way conversation with God. And the truth that we have to start with that we spent time on last week is the fact that prayer works, right? So many scriptures, so many passages, so many many stories from our own lives and experiences that lay out the fact that if, if scripture says anything, like it says Jesus is the only way and it says prayer works. If the Bible doesn't say prayer works, it doesn't say anything at all because there are so many verses, so many places where God reiterates the fact, hey, if you come to me, I will act on your behalf. In some way, on some level, somehow, when we bring things to God, it moves him. It's a really big deal. And and really, when you think about the fact that prayer works, when you consider how many people are on this planet, how many things are flying in God's direction, it's pretty amazing that he's able to handle all of those things. It speaks to the bigness and the sovereignty that he has. Because in our, like, when you think about us handling things, we fall apart pretty easily. 
I remember um, when we were uh, just out of college, newly married, Kathy and I, like many of you, had a stretch where for a couple years we had like 17 part-time jobs between the two of us because you're just like, pay the bills, that's all that matters. Pay the bills, don't get pregnant. Pay the bills, don't get pregnant. That was the only two rules in life for that stretch of time. And so one of my part-time jobs was at, uh, was at a place called Granger Industrial Supply. Some of you frequent that for your work if you're in uh, that line of work. Now, the one that I worked at was over in Holland, Michigan. It was a smaller one. So we were kind of ex- an experimental, smaller warehouse with a bigger storefront. Those of you who hit Granger Industrial Supply, it's usually just a big warehouse uh, with a small storefront. So we all had various roles. So, so uh, when I was working there, any given day, I could be working the counter, organizing the warehouse, uh, prepping orders, helping people figure out what they need. And I have no clue about any of that stuff. So a lot of it was just fake it till you make it and, and hope they figure it out on their own. Uh, but all kinds of different things. I could be uh, cleaning the place. Uh, anything and everything, it was on the plate, uh, could have happened on any given day. And I would say uh, most of the time, I could put myself at like 95% accuracy for whatever I was doing. I was on the ball. So if 100 tasks, 100 orders, 95 out of 100 times, I would nail it. And out of those five mess-ups, I could probably fix four of them within 30 seconds. So on the ball. It It was a good sweet spot for me. Now, there was a stretch of time, however, anywhere from like two to six weeks out from our wedding where my accuracy rate dropped to about a 50-50 shot. Like, it's a coin flip as to whether or not I'm going to stage this correctly, put this away in the right spot, fill the order correctly, answer the phone correctly. It became 50-50. Why? Because there's extra details to think about, extra planning to be done. My mind was elsewhere. Uh, Forget all the details of the wedding. I'll tell you, I was a good Christian boy, and so anticipating marriage had me a little bit distracted, if you know what I mean, okay? And so all the different things were flying at me, and all it took was a couple months of extra details, and my brain was shot. Couldn't handle it. And that's me. That's us as human beings, but that's not God. And that's why prayer works, because we're not taking our issues, we're not taking our concerns, we're not taking our prayers and praises to a God who can't handle what we're throwing at him, right? I would imagine uh, prayer life picked up a little bit in the Milan area over the last week because of the crazy week we had. It didn't, it didn't bog down God's processes, didn't scare him, didn't mess with him. He can handle it, and that's why it works, and that's why it's so important. Even though it's a difficult thing to do sometimes, Right? If you go to Amazon, you're going to get uh, 70,000 search results for books on prayer. And as a comparison, there's like 20,000 on public speaking and like 900 on the Detroit Lions. Okay? So things that we think are important. Prayer can be difficult, and yet it's worth engaging in. It's worth revisiting. It's worth making that the most important conversation in our lives. And so what I want to do today, because it can be difficult to engage in, because it can be difficult for us to prioritize I want to ask the question, very practical today, how do we pray? How do we pray? What does it look like to engage in that conversation with God and bring things before him? Um, And so just a couple uh, practical reminders from scripture to start out, and then a couple practical ways to engage in prayer. And for some of us, this will be a refresher, this will be a reminder, and I think it's important because there are times where we get in that mode where we start to question, am I doing this right? Um, I think back, my, my dad is a pastor, uh, super solid spiritual dude, just knows more scripture than anyone else that I know in my life. 
Uh, and we've had uh, quite a few years now where we've been praying for uh, a member of our family. And when things were at what we thought were the darkest, I remember him coming to me and saying, hey, I've been doing some thinking. Do you think it's possible we're praying too much? Right? Because he, he talked about this story about the, uh, the widow who came to the judge three times and was bothering her. Like, could, are we supposed to just... And this is not like my dad to say something like that, but we had gotten to the point where it's like, God, are you listening? Are you going to act on our behalf? That you start questioning, am I doing this correctly, right? And so it's easy to get to that, that point. And so today is just a reminder of both the simplicity and the importance of prayer from the practical side of things. So um, I uh, want to start with a bunch of verses, and just like last week, these are going to come rapid fire, so you can either write these down really fast, um, or you can go back and, and check out the, the iPhone Facebook video from today. So first one, Psalm 34, 17 says, the righteous cry out, and the Lord hears them. Now you might ask, am I righteous? And I'd say, it's not about you. It's not about your righteousness, because as a believer, the righteousness of Jesus is credited to you, right? So it's not about you being good enough and checking enough boxes so that God hears your prayers. We have righteousness in Christ, so it's not about being good. So the righteous cry out, and the Lord hears them. Psalm 18.6, in my distress, I called to the Lord. I cried to my God for help. From his temple, he heard my voice. My cry came before him into his ears. Jeremiah 29.12, you will call on me and come and pray to me, and I will listen to you. Jeremiah 33, 3, call to me, and I will answer you. James 4, 2, you do not have because you do not ask God. Matthew eleven twenty eight. come to me all who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Philippians 4, 6. Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your requests to God. And then Hebrews 4.16, let us then approach God's throne of grace with confidence so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help us in our time of need. We have to have trust. We can believe. We can lean on the fact that God wants to hear from us. He wants to hear from you. He wants that conversation to happen. And it's easy to be amazed and even question the idea of God hearing us with all that's going on, all the noise, all the activity, all the immenseness of the universe, the planets, the galaxies, the stars, the billions of people, past, present, and future. And yet he hears us. He hears you. He wants to hear from you. David said, God, who am I? Who, who are humans that you would be mindful of us, that you would pay attention to anything that we have to say? And yet, he is mindful of us. He does pay attention to what you have to say. He wants to hear from you. And so God says, are you weary? Are you anxious? Are you burdened? Are you in despair? Are you in need? Are you lonely? Are you struggling? And on the flip side, are you celebrating? Are you joyful? All of those things come to me. Like we said last week, all times for all things, we can come to God in prayer. We can approach him with confidence, knowing I am welcomed, I am heard, my conversation is wanted. And so along with the truth from last week that prayer works, this is a truth of tremendous significance. He wants to hear from you. And so now to some of the uber practical stuff. How, 
How do we engage in that conversation? How do we engage in that conversation? For that, we're going to go to Matthew chapter 6. And this will sound very familiar to many of you. Called the Lord's Prayer. Matthew 6, starting in verse 9. And in, in uh, the Luke version of this, the disciples actually say, Lord, teach us to pray. Like, we, we've been watching you. you. You pray different than some of the people we've been watching our whole lives in the temple and stuff. Teach us to pray. So Jesus says, Matthew 6, 9, this then is how you should pray. He says, our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. And we'll throw the end in there. For yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. So quite simply, and this this passage can be broken down a number of different ways. You can go verse by verse, line by line. But we're going to break it down this way. Basically, we can look at prayer as a praise and petition sandwich. A praise and petition sandwich. We're praising God and we're asking of God and then with a little bit of confession mixed in, but we'll get to that in a second. So he starts off, say, our Father in heaven. This is an acknowledgement that God is bigger. He is stronger. He has been before us. He is above us. It's a recognition. He is our Father in heaven. He is not of this earth. He is bigger and badder than anything that we can do in a human level. Hallowed, holy, revered is your name. God, you are amazing. You are perfect. You are worthy of worship. This is praise. This is praise. Our Father, who is in heaven, hallowed, holy is your name. And then we move on to the middle of the sandwich. He says, your kingdom come, your will be done. We want that to be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us our daily bread. Forgive us. Lead us not into temptation. Deliver us from evil. This is petition. This is asking things of God. Because we're saying, hey, God, the way that you reign in heaven, the way things happen up there, we're asking you to make that happen down here. So the joy that's there, the peace that's there, the healing that is there, make that a reality here on earth. We're asking for his reign to happen on earth in the way that it does in heaven. And we say, we have needs, God. God, the... The job that I need, the family that I need, the healing that I need, the food that we need, the car. Gosh, God, you know about this car situation. Provide for the car thing. God, this guy I met, I don't want to be alone forever. Could this be the one, right? Lead me into that relationship. God, I need your wisdom. I need your direction. We are petitioning him for things that we need. So God, not only do we want your reign to happen on earth the way it happens in heaven, we want the things that we need to be provided for. And we say things like, hey, God, this struggle, it seems like forever that I've been battling this issue, this, this sin, this weakness in my life. Please, Lord, I don't want to deal with this weakness anymore. Take this temptation out of my life. Protect me from those influence. Protect me from those things that are going to push me in the wrong direction. This is petition. The things that we need, the things that we want to see happen here on earth, the things that we need to be delivered from, the things that we need provided for us. We've acknowledged his bigness. We've acknowledged his authority, his power. And we say, God, I have needs. There's things we want to see. There's things we want to experience. There's things we need you to provide. And then we wrap it up with more praise. 
Yours is the kingdom. Yours is the power. Yours is the glory forever. We say, God, I'm only bringing these things to you, these needs that I have, these petitions. I'm only bringing them because I know you are the only one worthy. You are the only one capable of doing anything about them. This is the only conversation that can actually change things here on earth. And you're the only one who cares enough to do anything with the authority that you have. And in the end, God, I trust you. May you get the glory from this, however you choose to act. And that, in some ways, answers our difficult question from last week. What about when prayer doesn't work? That's what we come back to. We come back to God's bigness and his plan and his sovereignty, knowing he's going to take the glory and he's going to do things the right way. And so we worship him. We praise him. We acknowledge his bigness. Sorry about that wind. And then we come back to the petition, the things that we need, because he wants to hear those things from us. We don't have to be shy about bringing things to God. And then we wrap up by acknowledging once again how amazing he is, how awesome he is, how great his will is in our lives. And then in the midst of that, Because you've been acknowledging who he really is and what he's capable of and what he's about, in the midst of all that, we we have an accurate view of of who God is, his size, his power, his authority, how worthy he is. And in the midst of that, we become painfully aware of how lacking we are, how weak we are compared to him, how sinful we are compared to his perfection. And so ultimately, true confession is birthed out of our praise and out of our petition as we recognize how awesome he is to hear from us and act on our behalf and how woefully inadequate we are to take care of those things on our own. Brings our heart into a correct view of who God is and we can honestly reflect on who we are in the process. So it's a praise and petition sandwich. Now, like anything else, this is not meant to be a formula. Right? This isn't one of those things where if you're having a rough season, a horrible day, you wake up and you're like, God, I need your help. I need you to step in on our behalf. You're great. You're wonderful. Like, God, we, we need this. this. This is important to us. We need you to come through. We need this provision. We need this healing. God isn't saying, well, I can and perhaps I will. But before we get to that, do you have anything nice that you want to say about me? Anything, you know, you just want to throw my way and compliment, like changed my hair. Like God isn't up there doing it. And and God isn't saying, maybe you should tell me how awesome I am before we get to that tumor you're whining about. (laughs) Right? That's not how God operates. No, remember, he wants to hear from you. And so this isn't about a formula for making your prayers work. It's about your heart. David says in Psalm 51 that, He says, God, a broken and contrite heart you will not despise. Somehow, many of us grow up thinking or learning or hearing that prayer requires steps or a cute acronym or the right words. Maybe those cool King James words, like if I say some these and thous, it gets me to the front of the line when it comes to prayer requests, right? Um, It has to be eloquent or long or poetic or big Bible words, right? All in the right order from a prepared outline. No, that's not what this is about. It's, It's, God, I know what I need. I know what this is about. I know what I'm feeling. I know how amazing God is and how much he cares. So here goes nothing. Here goes nothing. It's how Jesus taught us to pray, but it's not about a formula. It's about God wanting to hear from us. Now, sometimes 
we literally got nothing. Or maybe we're just starting out and we're not sure what to say. Like we, we haven't been around church. We haven't heard how the pastor prays and, and, and our family didn't pray around the dinner table. So we have no context for what this is supposed to look like. And so, uh, may, or, or maybe you just want to mix it up. Now there's another practical thing. And this comes from a, a pastor that I like to listen to, Matt Chandler. He says, when you're not sure, pray what you got. When you're not sure, pray what you got. And so things that you find in the Bible on the positive side, you hear people saying, bless you, Lord. You're great. You're awesome. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. You have done great things. Uh, I thought I was done for, but you rescued me. You showed up. This is a great day that you have made. Thanks for the gift. Thanks for the moment. Thanks for this woman in my life. Thanks for this child. Thanks for our food. I love you. Just positive things that get thrown at God. Pray what you got. Now there's a frustrated side too. There's a negative side where people in the Bible just say, where are you? When are you going to show up? How long do I have to wait? I'm broken. I need help. I can't go on. These weren't eloquent prayers. They weren't poetic. They, they didn't have the right words in the right order. They weren't always the prayer and petition sandwich, and yet it was all they had in the moment. Expressions of thanks, expressions of worship, expressions of frustration and doubt and fear and need. All of these things thrown at God because that's all they had. That's all they had. If you need to, you can throw on your favorite worship song and sing it like you mean it, right? Or you can uh, go to Romans 8 towards the end of that chapter where it says, if, if you don't have the words, the Holy Spirit speaks on our behalf because it knows our feelings, it knows our thoughts, it knows our needs and goes before the throne for us when we don't have the words. We can say, I, I don't know what to say, but hear my heart, Lord. Just hear my heart. So if you're not sure what to pray, just pray what you got. Just pray what you got. Another practical thing. It's always okay to pray the word of God back to him. Pray the word of God back to him. This has double benefit. Number one, it gives you some words to say if you're not sure. And it ensures that whatever you're praying is perfectly in alignment with God's will because you're praying his words back to him. So I've got some ideas for you. This is where pen and paper... Evernote, Google Doc, if you want to write these down, some ideas for when you get into some of these seasons of life. Um, I'll go slow enough for like courtroom reporter type speed, okay? So be ready to throw these down and you can come back to them later. So some ideas of pieces of scripture to pray. Uh, we did the Lord's Prayer, Matthew 6, 9 to 13. Matthew 6, 9 to 13 is the Lord's Prayer. Another great one to pray kind of underrated, Jonah chapter 2, Jonah 2 verses 2 to 9. This is when Jonah has been barfed up on shore. Actually, a pretty awesome prayer in Jonah chapter 2. He just prays in the midst of extreme distress. You have never been digested, and so anything short of that, this prayer will apply. Uh, Jonah chapter 2. Psalm 3, Psalm 3. This is times are tough, but God's got this. Right, God's got me. Psalm 3. 1 Samuel 2, 1 to 10. If you just want to tell God how awesome he is, 1 Samuel 2, verses 1 to 10. How am I doing on speed? You guys doing all right? All right. I'm kind of watching Jacqueline over here. She's, 
I see her typing. She's kind of my guide. All right, Luke 1, 46 to 55. This is Mary's song. This is a song of thanksgiving and praise. There's a line in there that is so good. She says, generations will call me blessed because the Lord has been good to me. So strong. I know it's Mary, but I like to, le- I like to read it in that, that just a growly, the, man, the Lord has been good to me. He's done great things for me. That was Luke 1, 46 to 55. All right, how about a handful of psalms? These are great prayers. For a prayer of favor, asking for God's favor, Psalm 60. Psalm 60. Prayer of repentance. Been there? You will. Prayer of repentance, Psalm 51. Psalm 51. A prayer for help when you're in trouble, Psalm 43. Psalm 43, a prayer for help when you're in trouble. Similar, prayer for safety from enemies. If you feel like you're being attacked, feel like the whole world's against you, Psalm 57. Prayer for safety from enemies or from attack, Psalm 57. A prayer for mercy in Psalm 86. Feels like I'm calling bingo numbers right now. (laughs) Prayer for mercy, Psalm 86. (laughs) Thank you. I knew it was coming from somewhere. (laughs) Prayer for mercy, Psalm 86. And then finally, a prayer for wisdom. First half of it. Great prayer for wisdom. Second half, prayer for forgiveness, Psalm 39. Prayer for wisdom and forgiveness, Psalm 39. And then as always, Psalm 23 and Psalm 40. And if you're going to go there, I'm telling you nice and slow, read or pray these with the emotion that you're feeling in the moment. I'm telling you, when you're feeling it, Psalm 23 and Psalm 40 are just different, right? Just, just let those unleash and uh, it's kind of like the soldier homecoming videos. If you read those two chapters right, you'll be weeping at the end. It's all good. Very cathartic, Psalm 23 and Psalm 40. Um, really, guys, there are ways to begin. If, if prayer is a new journey for you or something that you're coming back to after a long time, ways to practice, ways to grow. But like I said, doesn't have to be a formula, right? This is a conversation with the God. He is the God of the universe, and yet he is the God of your heart and soul. So personal, even in the midst of his bigness, and he wants to hear from you. You are his child. He loves you. He died so that this conversation could happen. Gave his life to end that separation so that we can go right to him. He wants to hear from you. And he wants you to hear from him. We're going to talk about that next week. Let's pray. God, thanks for this time. I pray that uh, you would bring these things back to mind. God, whether it's these scriptures or others or, or just the encouragements of this particular series, God, that when we get in those moments and we're tempted to run to that conversation or this conversation or that resource or that voice or that influence, God, that we would drop those and run to you first and engage in that conversation. And not only, not only hear from you, God, just to pour out our hearts to you, pour out our emotions to you, our needs to you, our worship to you. God, thank you for hearing us. Thank you for receiving that. God, thank you for moving 
simply because your creation has spoken. God, will never fully capture that, and yet we're so thankful for it. God, we love you. We pray all this in Jesus' name.